Hi, everybody, and welcome to John Hennigan's Old Time Radio Show. So glad you could join us. It's going to be really terrific. we got some really wacky, zany old records for you tonight. Boy, oh boy. It's, it's going to be a swell time. <laughs> This is John Hennigan, and we're here on the Old Time Radio Show with our pal Jerry Clark, who flew in all the way from Ireland just to do this show. <laughs> and uh, the Old Time Radio Show does not compensate for that, so we thank him very much. <laughs> What's up, Jerry? How you doing? You're very welcome, John. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, it's great! It's great to have you here. So, tell the people out there in uh, record listening land, um, you're from Ireland. Now, you're you're not. Um, uh, 100% only interested in Irish music, but you do have a fantastic Irish 78 record collection. Is that or is that not true? Well, I don't know. I guess I'm lucky to have some, some, oh, some nice records. You're but, so modest. You're but, so uh, modest. Yeah, no, I, I have an interest in, uh, I have an interest in uh, early blues and early jazz. Right. And then more recently, uh, I've, I suppose, a little bit of an interest in old-time country music. Oh, yeah, that, that's not like one of your main things? No. No, I have very few records in that genre. Um, but I heard you like when we hung out. Um, we hung out in France. What was it? A couple years ago. Yeah. You were playing a lot of like pop tunes and stuff. Oh yeah. So, so where yeah. do you get those well, like, from? Um, just, just the same place I everyone just, gets yeah, them from. Yeah, I just murder old tunes that I like. You know. Yeah, because uh, you, you knew a, a ton of great old. Uh, yeah. Mostly, I guess, American pop tunes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Uh, That's where most of them came from. Yeah. The music is so great, you know. Yeah. Uh, just it's, it's fun trying to play it. Yeah. Hard to get the verses, of course. Hard to hear good recordings that have the verse and the chorus. But yeah, yeah. And, and, and almost every <laughs> That's one thing that always cracks me up about those kind of records, especially is everyone either gets the words wrong or they just make up their own, which is kind of, it's interesting to me. Some people I know get real obsessed with it my friend my friend like craig ventresco do you know him oh sure yeah you know, yeah he's very obsessed with you know yeah everything has to be exactly right the chords and all the those tunes are so great i mean you can whistle the melody after a couple of listenings you know yeah yeah that's what makes for a good tune i think oh, i love i love the early american popular music yeah great songwriting all right so tell the folks what uh you have for us today um we're going to listen to records from your collection, and uh, some are Irish and some are not. So what, what do we have? Yeah, most, most are Irish, and um, uh, I, I tried to pick some that are just representative of what I have at home. So um, <laughs> I have one Hawaiian record, just one. Okay. I thought we'd start with that. That's, o that's the only Hawaiian record you that's have? That's the only one. Okay, well, I see from here that um, if you're only going to have one, then why not have this one? So this is... Uh, the great Benny Nawahi, and I think this is Hawaiian Capers. That's right. All right, cool. Let's check it out. Thank you. 
Man, that's good. So that's uh, courtesy of Terry Zweigoff. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I, I got this record because uh, Terry uh, was interested in a Frank Quinn I had, and he was kind enough to give me this in exchange. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's a good trade for everybody. Yeah. Um, and you were pointing out, too, that, you know, of course, Noah, he's like, you know, possibly the greatest Hawaiian guitar player ever played, but the, the second guitar in, in, on these recordings is yeah. great. I think it's a guy named Harry Volpe. Or I'm oh, not sure how you okay. say his name, but yeah. um, he's... He's pretty much on, on most of the Nawaya. It's pretty much the same band, and okay. and he, he he's phenomenal. Yeah, you can't hear him quite as well, but when you listen to it a few times, you really start to be able to hear. He's a little in the background of the recording, but yeah, uh, they, they play great. so great together. So great. Um, you ever try to play any Hawaiian guitar? No. <laughs> yeah, I tried. I tried it for a little while. I started to get it, but I realized this is going to be a whole thing that just shuts everything else down. So yeah. I, I let the, you know, Bob Armstrongs and those kind of people do yeah. it. Drop Drop D is challenging enough for me. What's that? Drop D is challenging enough for me. Yeah, yeah, I know <laughs> what you mean. What's uh, What's next here? Well, I'm sorry about the condition. The next one, it's not as. Uh, I wish I had a better copy, but um, that's okay. We do. We actually, I refuse to let anyone apologize for uh, <laughs> audio condition on this show. But I'm glad. I'm glad I have it because it's uh, it's it's one of the greatest records I think. Yeah. To come out of the country blues, this is Willie Walker and South South Carolina Rag. Wow. All right. Sam Brooks on second guitar. <laughs> I'll tell you that's sure as grand. I'll 
Take two. Take uh, two. He recorded, yeah, it was two takes, and they're quite different. Yeah, I, yeah. I know one collector, I won't mention his name, was crazy enough to have pursued and owns both takes. <laughs> he loves to tell me that. Yeah, and, um, you know, he, I think he had everything. He, had, he was a terrific singer. You know, yeah, his voice yeah, was yeah. wonderful. Oh Great presence God. on the record. Yeah. Could crack his voice, get into that upper register as well. Yeah, incredible. So it's, it's a mystery to me why there aren't any more recordings. And there's two unissued uh, sites. Is there two on issue? Yeah. Uh, I wasn't aware of in that. The, in the, the it's head. in the, I'm sure the I've seen Dixon it. and Godric yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, discography. Incredible. So it's, 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 yeah, it's a mystery. Yeah, who made those why? decisions, like not to put that out? Yeah. I was talking to somebody, you know, this is, uh, again, Willie Walker from uh, South Carolina. Yeah. And who was the second guitarist? Name or, a guy uh, called Sam Brooks. Sam Brooks. He's pretty, pretty darn good, too. Oh, yeah. my God, yeah. yeah. And they play so good together. Yeah. I think it was Don Kent who was telling me that he had asked around about Willie Walker to some South Carolina guys early on who remembered him uh-huh. and said that he was, you know, like a monster. And there's some story I heard, and I forget who told it to me. It might have been Don that somebody played uh, a South, some South Carolina guitar player who knew Willie Walker played him to Columbia. And he said, well, that's good, but that's that's nothing compared to the way he played you know <laughs> he, he, he could play 10 times yeah. better than oh, that. Wow. yeah and it makes you realize guy you can only imagine what and he's one of the few people that uh, when he does those runs like I yeah mean, those are incredible but they are you know w- with the feel that he has going you could tell that that's effortless that's nothing for him that's so right you can yeah. only imagine if he was really doing some kind of breakdown rag like what what he played like you know I, yeah. and it's it's kind of surprising with the popularity of like Blind Blake at that time that they didn't say like oh we should you know do uh, 15 sides with this guy you know yeah but I guess that was Paramount maybe Columbia just wasn't that like that's not what they were trying to pursue well this is like 1930 so it's kind of it's, like it's a Blake, Blake came along in 26 I think so yeah, it's, it's kind of at the late. end of Maybe it's, or, you know, I don't know, maybe they're too blase. Yeah, who knows? At that point, the, the record business was hanging by a thread, so yeah. who knows what they were thinking. You can't really figure this stuff out. But, but it's, I guess we're lucky to have that, but it sure. does make you desperately want more when you hear that. And like all great music, it's effortless. It sounds effortless. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It sounds like, oh, I could do that. You try and do it, and it's impossible. Exactly. <laughs> and, and then when you do finally figure it out, and it doesn't sound effortless, then you yeah. realize, yeah. what's the point? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, so Jerry, you also do a, a lot of uh, reissuing. Kind well, of like we've, we've, yeah, we're kind of slow, but we, uh, I, I, I've partnered up with uh, a friend of mine who's a piper back home and has uh, has seventy eights, and there aren't that many people in Ireland that collect old records, you know. Uh, but yeah, we got together. Yeah, it's kind of surprising. I remember you yeah. told me that when I first yeah, met you. I was true. a little surprised. So we've um, because it seems like you know I, in in Ireland, more so than certainly here, like traditional music still people still i know it's changed a lot but people still play 
kind of in a traditional style there. Well, they do, they do, but it's... Um, but they're not interested in the old records. No, it's funny. Uh, I don't know whether that's because traditionally the music was sort of handed down, you know, from, you know, when you learned it in the, right, that's up in the, the kitchen at home kind it, of thing. It was learned from playing it as opposed to listening to it. But I also met, I've also met older guys um, in the past who said, oh, yeah, play it to you and say, oh, that's uh, whatever it is. Where'd you learn that? He said, oh, well, I, learned, I, I bought the... I bought the Coleman Decca in 1937. That's where I learned it from. Right, right. So the records, the people did learn from records too. But no, there isn't a great appreciation for the old, for the old stuff that was recorded back in the 20s here in New York. Um, so what, we, what we've tried to do is, um, uh, well, there has been a couple of notable exceptions. The, the, the national radio station uh, had a couple of guys back in the 80s who did some great work on... On, on finding people who were still alive that had recorded and, and ma making some great documentaries. And uh, then one of those guys, uh, he was a sound engineer and a producer, a guy called Harry Bradshaw, started a label called Viva Voce. And this is back now in the cassette tape era. Hmm. And issued the best of uh, James Morrison and um, fluters of old air and you know, John McKenna and some other flute players and so on. And uh, the Flanagans. And then, then some of that did make it onto CD and some didn't and uh, they were all very low volume pro you know so, so so they're not available anymore I don't think uh, except for a recent version of uh, uh, William Mullally the concertina player so what we decided we try and do and of course there have been some LPs brought out by again the national uh, radio television station and by Topic Records Reg, Reg Hall in London who's still who's still doing great stuff but we decided we'd try and reissue material that hadn't never, ne had never been reissued, hmm. so not since the 78s came out. Yeah. And that's what we've been doing, and uh, we, we, we've done a few uh, compilations. And, um, and then we did, we f focused on one particular uh, musician, Peter Conlon. Yeah, it's a uh, great accordion yeah. player, yeah. Really, really phenomenal. Yeah, he's, he's, he, was, he was a genius, really. And, um, and we're hoping to come out with a few more. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do, are you able to... Do people buy them? I mean, are you able to? Well, it's 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 uh, it's just a self-sustaining hobby, John. Really, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is for me too. When I do it, it's, it's a slow burn, you know. That yeah, the, yeah. the, 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 they'll gradually, they'll gradually sell, and you know, we'll, we'll recoup our expenses and that. I was like shocked when I years ago when I first met like you know Richard Nevins from those who don't know, it's the you know Yazoo guy. Yeah. And uh, I realized now, looking back on it, it was kind of like uh, that old Warner Brothers cartoon with the the two dogs and the, the one dog following the other dog around because I was like, you know, hey, you know, are you going to put out any more volumes at times than what they used to be? And he's like, no, no, no. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. well, you know, what about Before the Blues? You think you're going to do a fourth volume of Before the Blues? No, 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 no. And, you know, of course, like I w re was pretty relentless and wouldn't let up, you know, because I loved all those comps and had every one of them. And that's early on what it kind of exposed me to this music in the first place. Yeah. And then he went on to tell me like how pathetically those things sold and exactly. you know, how most yeah. of them never sold 500 copies or a thousand copies. And I was like, my mind was blown. I couldn't believe it. I just assumed, well, you know, they must sell 20, 30,000 and then a good one must sell 100,000. Yeah, I don't know. When you really start to realize the, the interest in this music. You realize, well, it's, it's not a good business uh, but um, I, I don't think anybody. You have to do it as a labor of love. You know? Yeah, I don't think anybody goes into the reissue business or has ever done since reissues first started. But it's so important because uh, you know, for for people 
like you who are you know the only people who have maybe access to some of these records and have them all in the same place and to get them you know so uh, yeah well, i think i think a collect- to uh, in the yeah future well is really really uh, important. a lot of collectors feel that you know this stuff should be out there and then uh, you know collectors are pretty collegiate too when it comes to you know if you're missing a particular side and you want to try and get it out there yeah, in a yeah compilation you know people are very helpful that way but if if nobody's there to do it then you know who knows what happens to some of these <laughs> records you know so well i'm glad that you're doing it um what do we have up next we're not quite into the irish records yet okay right? just one more and again I, I wish i had it in better shape but but there you go so this is uh this is a kind of a i don't know what you call it a spasm record of sorts i suppose but this is uh this is big bill playing the fiddle oh i love this record yeah uh, yeah i desperately uh, want this record from 1932 i believe yeah the alabama this, rascals the alabama rascals mm. and this is um this is rucus juice shuffle and this is on arc uh, yeah, I think uh, Romeo. I think is what I have it on. Yeah, yeah, and um, I think it's on one of Marshall Wyatt's great compilations. Oh, is it on on the fiddle? He did, did a couple of fiddle. Oh, one of those early it's on oh. one of those. Yeah, I think both sides are on one of those. Ah. If I'm not mistaken, Mar- Marshall's done some great work. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love his comps. Phenomenal. Okay, cool. This is a Big Bill Brunzi playing the fiddle, which. Uh, didn't happen very often. And I think it might be Black Bob as well on the piano. Ah, uh, I love think. I love him. He, he he's he's so great. All right, let's check this out.
this top. <laughs> that is really good. Yeah, and it's nice to see. Um, I see now on YouTube that young, you know, young folks are uh, uh, playing this music. There's a, that I'm sure you know. There's a great band in uh, New Orleans, Tuba Skinny. Yeah, yeah. I think of them when I hear this stuff. You know, yeah, although they play more of the classic uh, King Oliver tunes and so on. But yeah, I I, I met those guys and played with them. Oh, out, really? out in yeah. France, actually. Really? Yeah, they wow. were going through there. It's great to see. Uh, to see this taken up I've seen a few different people play um, people play really good music like this Great. yeah it's really incredible like you know we're, we're lucky here um, we have this place in Brooklyn Red Hook Brooklyn the Jalopy Theater that's run by this couple that are just you know it has a vibe of like feeling like playing at your friend's house as opposed to like a club except they do you know the club is beautiful and they cater to just this kind of music so everybody plays there and right. the, the young people that I've heard and the the, the the bands I've heard, you know, it's kind of mind blowing in a way, but it's really great that you know someone's around to try to keep this music yeah, alive sure. and keep it going. Because yeah. when I first started listening to it and playing it, it didn't seem that way to me. I didn't know anybody else who was interested in right. it. Yeah. When I first started collecting records, I was completely—I didn't know anybody else interested in it, so I was completely yeah. isolated. You, yeah. know, you start to feel a little crazy. It's that's—I think that's a universal know. story for for people who. Start yeah. collecting seventy eights, and if you, then if you, you know, develop into trying to play the music, you feel like you're an, an oddball. Yeah. But then you gradually, over time, you get to meet other. Now, how did how did folks. you get into old music? I mean, you're obviously a guitar player. Well, was it something you found? Like the way I found it was backwards. You know, I yeah. still I got into Chicago blues as a kid, and then started going further and further back, and then Robert yeah. Johnson, and then even much later than that, discovered all this other stuff. So. Well, I grew up in the 50s and 60s, I suppose, and um, at home, uh, my dad had some 78s. And, uh, he's what a kind Louis of stuff Ar did he have? Well, he's a Louis Armstrong fan, but more, oh, okay. more, more of the more commercial right, right. stuff, you know. Uh, although he had some... Uh, it's something, though, that's the right direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, I, you know, I was always interested in that. And, and believe it or not, but uh, Josh White had a big hit in Ireland in 1950 or 51 with Molly Malone. <laughs> really? Huh. Yeah. yeah. So I remember hearing that. I remember hearing. Um, I remember hearing Lead Belly. Oh, it was probably, probably Good Night Irene. Right. Uh, and maybe maybe the Weavers, as well. But I don't know. So uh, in the in the late 60s, and I got involved in looking, uh, trying to you know looking out for old 78s and. I was interested in, in in jazz, you know. At that time, it was more, you know, more trying to find Jerry Roll Martin on HMVs, yeah, in yeah. junk stores and whatnot. And then also, and that must have not been too hard to find, right? Because you still see a lot of those. Yeah, around. yeah, yeah. You do. And um, then I, I don't know how I became aware of it, but I became aware of the Yazoo, the Yazoo LPs coming out. And uh, I remember, I know a friend and I used to buddy together, and I think you could get five, you get six records for the price of five, and we used to pick out three each you know and then we pulled our resources and get a half dozen sent over that's great so that was great <laughs> hearing hearing Bo Carter for the first time was amazing because that that particular album I think it's 1014 uh, the sound quality is fabulous on those huh. yeah great and those first time I, I think it's probably the first time I heard a national huh. yeah so that was probably early 70s and um, you play national yourself well, I have an old Wallian, yeah, 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 yeah which I play yeah. a lot. But, but, uh, yeah, then I didn't get to the states until uh, the mid late seventies, and I, then we came to live here in the eighties, you know, for a while. 
Um, so I'd never found too many blues records, you know. Um, it's o always been tough, I think. Yeah. Unless you're in the right place at the right time. It's too late, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I kind of, I kind of was music in the house, and you know, it was kind of. I knew what a '78 was when I was, before I got out of the, uh, out of the crib, you know. That's good. <laughs> well, I like the way you set up the show, like to not scare off the uh, Americans. Is that the idea? Like play some American <laughs> yeah. music up yeah. front before we get into the Irish stuff. Uh, that's a good point because the the, the next one I have here is, um, is a kind of a, a marriage, I suppose, of 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 Irish and American music in a way. Um, uh -huh. Although it's it's they're Irish tunes and that, but the, the setting is you know kind of dance hall setting, and I love this band. This is uh, again the, most of these recordings are New, New York recordings. But this is Louis Quinn and Louder Burn. Okay. And a guy called uh, Patrick Kelly who was or Patrick Lynch who was a great uh, box player, a great accordion player. And this is uh, let's say this is 1934. Uh, it's something that we put out in one of the uh, old time records compilations, but uh, it's one of my favorite records.
Unbelievable. <laughs> now, um, I, ha- I have a Lewis Quinn record I just showed you, but now, I-, I assume he, I don't really know. I mean, he's the accordionist, right? No, no. Louis Quinn and Lado Burner are two twin fiddles, two, two fiddle players. Two fiddles? Yeah, two fiddles there. Louis Quinn and Lado Burner. And they, uh, you know, th- they lived right, right, well, Louis, let me see. Louis Quinn did anyway, up in, into the 80s, I believe. Really? Huh? Yeah, yeah. And they were very, uh, they were very prominent in the New York scene, you know, the Irish music scene. Right. But, but they only made three records, unfortunately, that time. And what, I mean, the, the, I mean, I, I can't believe that if I could have come down to New York in the 80s and heard people playing music like this. But yeah, certainly the 70s, maybe the 80s too, too yeah. Hey, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it reminds me that, like, Richard Nevins used to tell me that when he, he was a teenager and had an apartment in his neighborhood that it was largely Sixth Street was like Ukrainian. You know, they still have like a Ukrainian uh, center over there. Yeah. He said he used to hear old Ukrainian fiddlers on the street, you know, playing in this you know style that was recorded in the thirties. Oh, by Columbia sure. Also yeah. Well, up to I mean, Andy McGann um, d- died not so long ago, I believe, and I'm pretty sure he was a, a pupil at a very young age of Michael Coleman's. No kidding. So that, you know, the kind of tradition, and actually. The first and third of those barn dances was w- was recorded by Coleman. Of the okay. From that la- last record, yeah. Now, w- w- you you mentioned it a couple times, but we should you know point out to people who don't know that almost all or I think all of these these Irish records were recorded in New York from Irish immigrants that came over here, right? Like, were there any sessions done in Ireland for these labels, Columbia and these ARC labels? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I would say if people are familiar with the Spotswood discography and sort of the magnitude of that in terms of recordings that are made in the United States, you could add to that uh, at least 50%, maybe more, in terms of recordings that were made in Ireland. No well, it first started off in, in London to the late 20s, uh, and then from 1929, from 1930 on, recordings were made in Ireland, and they're on, they're on uh, Parlophone, HMV. Yeah, I have a bunch of HMV now that you say it. I'm yeah, sure. well, well, of course, some of the record, some of the recordings um, made in the states here came out. They had they had uh, deals with uh, with with the labels on the other side of the, the Atlantic. So, so you'll find the uh, the OKs are on Parlophone. The right. That, that's the same thing with like American jazz and. Yeah, the yeah. HMVs are Victors. Uh, the Decca, of course, there's Irish Decca, there's English Decca, there's French Decca, so that they took. Uh, yeah, right, right. And uh, let me see. We'll see, I never come across any of those uh, European Decca's. You don't see those over here, really. Yeah. I've never seen any Irish ones. Y- yes. So, so there's some great artists that that's recorded in Ireland that you know, the records wouldn't show up here uh, right, unless right. people brought them over, you know, time to time. So I've only, I've only got, with me here, I've only got one, I think, one of those, but. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Parlophone went out in 1930, and they they did some like field recordings around Ireland, you know. Oh yeah. Got some some really good stuff. Oh, I bet. Yeah. 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 And, and is some of it different than the stuff that came? I mean, do you notice a change from the guys that came to America? Was it like immediately Americanized or? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm not a. A musicologist, so you know. I, I mean, just in your experience from listening. Yeah, to I, 
I was always curious about that. It doesn't sound well. Like of to course, me, the, the piano was added. You but know, I wouldn't know. I guess you, know. you don't. You don't. In the early Irish music, you don't find the piano so much. Um, right, and that 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 is something that like uh, I, I've always heard listening to those records is that sometimes you can clearly tell the piano player either n- never played the tune before. Yeah. They're not together. That's a lot right. of those Coleman records, you know, like the piano players in another. Uh, they're dreadful, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Coleman's yeah. still on fire, but it's mm. just like, what? Yeah. Is that, why even have that guy there? What's yeah, wrong with the fiddle solo? Yeah. So that, that was not like traditional. I mean, I, I, I often wondered if it was just that wasn't his piano player or if he never played with piano because you don't really hear piano too much in the string bands or in the other, you know, formats, right? So Yeah, yeah, although I think uh, Charlie Poole had a piano, didn't he, on some of his... Did he? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, later... But I didn't even mean the American. I mean, you do have American string bands with piano, but what I meant uh, was on the Irish records that, yeah. I, that I have anyways, which is, yeah, again, th- it was is, I have in limited knowledge on this stuff, that's why... I, uh, yeah, the, one of the early bands recording out in the Balnick Hill t- t- had piano on it. Hmm. And um, I'm not sure whether it was brought in to, to lend a certain air of respectability or... <laughs> Yeah, or, or maybe these guys just showed up with like no band. They normally had a band or whatever. Normally had a either an accordionist or a banjo or a guitar or something to play with. And in New York, they just had piano players, so they just threw yeah. these guys in. But clearly, th- there's there's tons of records where the, the guys are not on the same page. Yeah, there's <laughs> no not that I'm aware. Of, there's no solo fiddle that I'm aware of recorded here in the states. There is one in Ireland. There's just one one that I'm aware of. Yeah, that's what I w- that, yeah. that that's what. I would have loved to see happen at those sessions if they had no accompanist and just record them solo. But yeah. Anyways, we're getting off the track. So, yeah. Um, what? So we just listened to Lewis Quinn. Well, yeah, how I about think we're uh, going to another Quinn? Yeah. How about a Frank Quinn? Everybody, all, all my collector friends, you know, everybody you know, the loves blues collectors Quinn. and old time collectors. They all love Frank Quinn, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> well, Frank Quinn to me is like, uh, I mean, he does. Ev- I mean, he does everything from straight straight up comic records pop songs and then he's when he wants to be also a, a top-notch musician playing yeah. like at the highest level and i think for me that's what i kind of like about him because i like all those things yeah know? and his sense of humor and his comic songs are some of the best ever recorded yeah yeah uh, do, do you know like murphy's wife i that's one that I play all the time. I put on okay, my okay, digital yeah. comp where he's talking about some, it's, it's this whole story about a, a wedding he goes to with his friend Murphy, but then they all get really drunk and then it becomes <laughs> like, you know, they're all rolling around together. He doesn't know whether he's touching Murphy's wife or Murphy, but he doesn't really care because he's having such a great time. And yeah. It's one of the funniest things I ever heard, you know. And yeah, he's... Uh, and, and then you hear him play instrumentals and stuff and it's kind of like, you know. Sure, he's, he's, he's a very good fiddle player and great great accordion player too and yeah. uh, a lot of those obscure uh, Peter Conlon Gaelics the other side of the record is Frank Quinn oh really yeah huh uh, yeah so so just the one I picked here is uh, is an acoustic uh, now I know um, again a lot of my friends don't don't go in for acoustic records but uh, there's uh, Irish recording started around 1916 so there's a lot of acoustic stuff so yeah sure I've always been had an ear for it and I liked it um, so this is a uh, this is a funny record. It's uh, it's a Jeanette, but it has uh, it's a beautiful label, a beautiful dark green label, and it has a oh, it has an Auburn DeWitt number on it. So huh. I don't know what was going on there. Of course, Auburn DeWitt were were taken the uh, from the Jeanette Masters as well. So I don't know quite sure. But so this is one where it's um, it's a it's a very common tune, but uh, Frank gives it his own uh, 
special uh, ingredients here. <laughs> okay, let's check it out. So that was Frank Quinn, so great. And uh, you were just telling me uh, how he was a cop and he was like a straight guy. Yeah, for all his wacky persona on the records, uh, Harry Bradshaw, who's done a lot of research on on, on Frank Quinn, uh, reckons that if you ever wanted to get in touch with Frank, all you had to do was phone him up at home because he'd be at home with his family at six o'clock in the evening. Yeah, <laughs> as I said to you, it's 
not the way I would have pictured it. No. I would have pictured no. it finding him in front of some bar, like laying in the sidewalk. You know, I know, I just know. Just from his records. I know. And he ended up uh, driving driving the chief of police. Uh, some of his uh, records, you know, especially the comic ones, the way he plays, I always thought he must be drunk at that session. You know? I know, yeah. Probably it's great not, stuff. Right? It's great, great stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what do we have next here? Well, next, so these, there's no particular rhyme or reason to the order of these, uh, really. Um, just tried to mix them up a bit. The next one was a favorite of mine. It's um, it's one of the, there's, let's see, we reissued, there was there was an album of Huey Gillespie, a great Donegal fiddle player who recorded here in uh, the 30s. He was a protege of Michael Coleman's. Uh, so there was a great album on topic in an, uh, 78, I think, um, but there was, it was missing three sides. We put one out on Old Time Records, one of our compilations, and this is a second one, which hope to put out in a future compilation, and I, I really love it. It's uh, Huey he, he, he recorded with, with a guitar. Oh, really cool. And um, two guitar players, and this is my, my, my preferred one. There's, there's great stories, uh, or actually great from Huey himself on, on a on a um, on a inter- an interview recorded by uh, the national te- uh, radio station, uh, where he talks about the whole recording process and how Coleman came to the studio with them, and they met the guitar player and they went r- ran through the tunes and and Coleman kept t- t- telling the guitar player tone it down tone it down tone it down, so you can just barely hear the guitar but it's nice and tasteful, huh. and uh, so this is something called uh, McCormick's Hornpipes. Okay, 1937 decade. <laughs> Thank you. 
Huey went back to Ireland and um, I think he survived into the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. Oh, yeah, certainly into the 80s, yeah. And like I say, he made a great, um, made a, did a great interview on, uh, on a program called uh, The Long Note. It was a series of programs in the 80s. And I actually, I never heard them. We were away and I never heard them at the time. Uh, a radio show, you're talking Yeah, about. it's a pity they were never made, uh, never digitized and made available. But that's that's really good Irish fiddling. Oh yeah, beautiful, beautiful, and uh, nice guitar too. Really yep. nice, yeah. nice and tasteful. Yeah, fellow called uh, Mark Callahan, I believe. Huh, something you don't always hear on those records is guitar. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. The next one is actually a post-war decade. It's just post-war, nineteen forty-seven. Oh really? Okay, cool. And uh, I love this record, especially the turn of the tune when they when they. They start playing the second reel. The first reel is uh, the Made of Mount Kisco, which I think is somewhere up upstate New York or just Mount Kisco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Made of Mount Kisco, and it's, that's a tune associated with Paddy Killorn. I'm not sure if Paddy Killorn wrote it or not. Huh. And then the next, the second reel is Hand Me Down the Tacklings. And this is uh, Joe McGuire and his Pride of Aaron band. Not Paddy Killorn had a band called the Pride of Aaron, E R I N. Right. This is the Pride of Aaron, E R N E, which is a river in Ireland. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Most of the Irish bands. Not, not you know, to be confusing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, all the Irish bands really had, had some sort of unifying symbol of Aaron, as, of, of Ireland, as, their, as a moniker, you know. Right. Uh, Joe McGuire played fiddle and sang. And I love this record because, again, it's effortless and uh, it bounces along really nice, you know. Cool. So it's a, it's a Decca, I should say, too. It's, a, it's one of the 12,000 series Deccas. It might be the last of them, 12,262. Huh. I'm not quite sure about that. Thank you. 
lot happening there, huh? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. It's yeah. like the Irish Weem string band or something. Sorry? It's like the Irish version of the Weem string band or something. I don't know if you know that American No, band. I'm not, yeah. not familiar with that one. Okay, yeah. I'll, play, I'll play it for you later. But, right. Um, I mean, what was happening there? How many fiddles do you, do you oh, think were on that? Well, at least two, I guess. At least I mean, two, it's, right? It's not... It sounded like there's two, and then there was like something else flute. playing like a counter. Flute. Yeah, yeah. It's not qu- people are not quite sure who's on the, the records. It could be it could be Hubie Gillespie actually. Huh. Um, no, nobody's quite sure. And was there piano on that too? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it yeah. sounded like piano to me. Yeah, yeah. It's really yeah, I like that one. Really thick, beautiful sound. Yeah, and so super tight. I just wow. love when they when they turn it when they go from the first tune to the second yeah, one. Yeah, it's a real just bounce there, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great, it's great, great lift as they call it. Ph- phenomenal. So the next one, um, next one. This is one that this is an Irish record. So this is uh, recorded in Ireland, pressed in Ireland. Okay, great. On HMV, and um, so none of this this guy's records. I mean, um, he didn't make any records in the states. So I'm trying to say, this is Leo Rousam, oh, P- Piper. Phenomenal. Yeah, I'm lucky yeah. to have a couple of his records. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. and uh, of course, the thing about Leo Rousam is that he comes from several generations of pipe makers, so oh, he's really? playing okay. he's playing his own instrument. Huh. So you don't get that too often on a yeah, record. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, at least I assume this is one of his. I'm sure it is because I think he he made a set in his twenties that he played for. And for I mean, in his career. day, was he considered one of the top? Pipers oh yeah, or, I mean, absolutely. This is f- phenomenal. I've never heard anything like these records. Yeah, yeah. not that I have a great you know. Vast yeah, I know there were some some great pipers that recorded here. I'm but sure there were. Yeah. Records are tough to find. Yeah. Well, I just thought I'd, I'd kind of bring one of those. And what is this? This is just, I mean, most of the records I have by him are just labeled reels or horn Oh, yeah, no, this, these are two pretty well-known reels. Uh, Miss Thornton's, I think, and um, let me see. The Broken Pledge and Miss Thornton's, yeah.
something. First time I heard that guy was at our, our mutual friend uh, Crumb's place. Yeah. And I remember he said, you know, you, you ever hear Irish pipes or I- Irish, you know, uh, I'm sorry, what do you call the it? Illin pipes. Yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, I said, I, I, I don't think so. And I remember thinking, that doesn't sound very interesting. Yeah. And yeah. He put the record on and I was like, oh my <laughs> God. Have you ever seen them being played? Yeah, by um, mm. uh, our friend from Sove. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, what's yeah. his name? Oh, terrible I can't remember his name. I just played with him over the summer. Yeah. He's I'm such a great guy. Yeah. going to have to edit in his name. I'm so embarrassed for I can't remember it. Um, yeah. Actually, I've never met him. E- Eden, what's uh, what's the Irish Piper's name from Sove? Yeah. I haven't met him myself. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to edit in, like I said, his name because I'm so embarrassed if he was ever listening. Oh my God. I played with him all summer. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, phenomenal. And really funny watching him, him play. We were playing a bunch of... Um, I mean, when I say funny, I mean, like, I found myself playing guitar, like, just fascinated by how he's playing those things, watching yeah, it. Yeah, because he's using his wrists on the regulators, you know. Yeah, and yeah. those drones and... And luck- luckily, he was uh, good enough where he could tell me the chords to some of these songs, because okay. you, know, you start playing some of these old Irish tunes, and you start to realize that they don't go where you think they're going to go, like, sure. as far as, you know, with a background in, say, like, American sure. country music or whatever. Yeah, so, so, some of them some, have some a kind of, of pattern really them, tricky. And, and the time too, like in some of these yeah, playing, sure, yeah. it's like okay, it's going to go to seven eight now, and it's like okay, but where's the one? You know, I can't yeah. find the one. <laughs> and then like by the last time through, I would find the beat, and it's like okay, it's going to change. I'd be like, oh, I just got it. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, but yeah, a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, so Jerry, we've come to the end of uh, another old time radio show. I want to thank you so much for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. And um, how about we end with one of the old masters? That's what I was going to ask you. Now, to me, this guy is is one of the masters. So, I mean, he, he by it, by say Irish standards, he's still considered one of the greatest fiddle players. Definitely. Right? Yeah, okay. you can We're hear. We're talking that. about Michael Coleman. Yeah, you can hear the lonesome sort of. Uh, Frank Quinn had a band. I probably, I think, one of the greatest names for an Irish band. It was the. The Smiles and Tears of Air and Orchestra. It was okay. a name he gave to a, a group at, towards the end of his career. But you can certainly hear the Smiles and Tears uh, in uh, Coleman's music, I think. This is an acoustic, goes back to 1921. Uh, but the piano isn't too bad, and um, uh, I like It's a record I like. It's an acoustic Columbia. Uh, so it's uh, Paddy Ryan's Dream. And I think the second tune is Mama's Pet, but I'm not quite sure about the title. Okay, great. Yeah. Thanks again for doing this, and uh, we'll be back with more Irish records. My pleasure. In the future.